1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. What is Paul trying to tell us here? As we learned last week, the church of Corinth was a very cosmopolitan church, a very diverse group in a very cosmopolitan part of the world, at least at that time. And so there was a lot of diversity, and there was a lot of conflict. And in particular, in verse 11 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, it talks about quarrels. Quarrels over who? Who is really the one that you need to be following? Some were saying they follow Apollos, some Cephas or Peter, some Paul, some Christ. And so that's what Paul is starting to address in his letter with this statement. And he goes on to point out about not coming to baptize. Not that he's anti-baptism. And many churches have a lot of different views about baptism. But Paul was about, and this quote comes from Steve Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's a very catchy quote. And that's really what Paul is about. He wanted to focus them back on the main thing because he knew that's what would bring unity. I experienced this myself back in 1981. I was a young man of 28 years old. We had moved to a new community, Eldora, Iowa, and we had checked out a variety of churches. And my second son had just been born that March. And one of the things that, because once you visit a church, usually the pastor or some people who have church will come to visit you, and one of the questions I would pose to them was whether they would baptize my new son. And most of the pastors that visited, and maybe it was just where I was, they missed the main thing. What they did was they basically gave me a very detailed, or sometimes not quite so detailed, theological reason why they were going to say no. But they never really asked me any questions about my story, my spiritual journey. Why was this 28-year-old young man who had just became a father for the second time, even asking this question. You know, where was my spiritual journey? Where was my spiritual yearnings? Those questions were totally ignored, except for one pastor. His name was Lloyd McDonald. He's actually the reason why I'm in the Friends Church, which is where I pastor now. And I knew nothing about the Friends at that time. And I knew nothing about their doctrine or, the, or their baptism, but we had gone to their church. Some people had invited us there that we were friends with, and, and it seemed to be a very encouraging atmosphere. So Lloyd came to visit. And so I asked him the same question. But he didn't miss the main thing. He focused on me and my spiritual journey. And he didn't try to give me the theological positions of the Friends Church. I didn't even understand that till several months later. But he did basically answer my question and said, well, if that's important to you spiritually, that's important for your spiritual journey, yeah, we can do that. And then he went on to explain a little bit about the church. And I think that's a great example of how he as a pastor kept the main thing, the main thing. But it's so easy for us as humans to forget that. In fact, I came across an article as I was 
doing a little work and preparing this message written by David Armstrong. And the whole purpose of his article was to refute what he considered the outrageous statement that there were 33,000 different Protestant denominations. And he goes through and explains why that's really wrong and because of how you define denominations, all these different things. But basically, it comes down to this. He says there's really only about 8,000 Protestant Christian denominations. When I get to the end of the article, and that's the conclusion, I still go, really? Really, I think there's a lot of times when we just miss the main thing. We get involved in quarreling, and we divide, and we forget to embrace the love of Jesus. So some of the people that are mentioned in this letter, like Peter, Cephas, we're pretty familiar with him. You know, he started with Jesus from the moment that Jesus borrowed his fishing boat and followed him. But there's another name there, Apollos, which we're not so familiar with. So who is he? Why are people saying that they follow Apollos? Or why are they saying they follow Paul or follow Peter? Well, it's kind of interesting because back in Acts 18, we're first introduced to Apollos. And it talks about Apollos as a man that really knew the scriptures well. And he had a lot of passion and preached with passion as he explained that Jesus was the Messiah that the Jews were waiting for. And he was able to vigorously refute the Jews by the scriptures. Being very convincing that Jesus was the Messiah the Jews had been waiting for. But also in that passage of chapter 18 of Acts, it mentions a couple other people. Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife. And it talks about they listened to Apollos and noticed that he didn't really have a complete understanding of all that was involved in following Jesus. And so they took him aside, invited him to their home. They talked to him. But we don't know all the different things they talked about. We don't know all the different things where maybe his knowledge was lacking. But they were mentoring him, and he was receptive. The only thing we know that is specifically mentioned is that he only knew about the baptism of John. What is that referring to? But while Paul's in Ephesus, in chapter 19 of Acts, it, it records an incident where he comes across 12 disciples or believers who are believers and followers of Jesus. And he asks them this question about whether they received the Holy Spirit when they were baptized. And their response is, holy who? We've never even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul goes on to explain to them that the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance. Not that that was a bad thing. But with Jesus, we're talking about a baptism in Jesus' name and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. A baptism, as you were, of the Holy Spirit. And we don't have time to go through all the different beliefs and disagreements that us Christian denominations have over that. But the point is, they were receptive. They were baptized by Paul. And then they received the Holy Spirit. And he continued to minister there in Ephesus. It talks about he spent three months in the synagogue itself until the Jews became so obstinate that he left and continued his discussions in the public forum. And it talks about how extraordinary miracles were taking place there, that handkerchiefs and aprons that have touched Paul and were taken to the sick and the ill. People were cured and evil spirits left. 
That takes us back to what Paul is saying in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, verse 17, that he came to preach the gospel, not to baptize, and that he didn't want to empty the cross of its power by persuasive arguments or persuasive words. He wanted people to really embrace the power, embrace the love of Jesus Christ. Not to rely on worldly wisdom. So Paul had a good way of keeping the main thing. The main thing. And it's kind of interesting in this discussion going back from verse 17 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. In verses 14 and 16 he gives an example of saying, you know, I'm really glad I didn't get into baptism. Because then maybe you Corinthians would start saying you were baptized in my name. You're already saying you follow Apollos, you follow me, or you follow Cephas. Or you follow Christ, you're arguing over these silly things. You're not keeping the main thing the main thing. And then it mentions one of the people because he starts remembering, well, I guess I did baptize a few people. And one of them he mentions is Stephanus. I may not pronounce his name correctly, but he's mentioned there. And then we find him again mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And a devotional written by Arthur Jackson back in May of 20. Of 2022, he talks about it this way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, Paul mentions a family, the household of Stephanas, who had a reputation for their caregiving. They devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. And while their services likely included tangible things, the impact was such that Paul wrote, They refreshed my spirit in yours also. So again, the true refreshment, he goes on to write, flows from God and it's a matter of the heart. It reaches the hearts of others and it continues to nourish others long after the service is over. But Paul points this out again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. He says we are to seek the good of others. But it's so easy to miss what the main thing is. There's another book entitled Mission to Drift. And it goes about and talks about different organizations, some that were able to keep the main thing the main thing, and others that lost that and really became an organization different from what they started out to be. And that can happen to any of us. In fact, it can even happen to someone like Paul. Because if we go back to Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 36, we have this interesting situation where Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go back on a missionary journey. And of course, that's not unusual in itself. If you go back to Acts chapter 9, you'll see that Barnabas and Paul had a long relationship together. In Acts chapter 9, after Paul's conversion, he comes to Jerusalem. Paul, that is. But the disciples are afraid to be around him because he's been such a vicious persecutor of the church, arresting people, approving of their death like he did to the martyr Stephen. But he's now had a visitation from Christ. He's changed. And it's Barnabas who takes him to the apostles. And then in Acts chapter 13, when they're in Antioch together, it talks about the church prays for them. And the Holy Spirit tells them to set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work, and they start out their missionary endeavors together. But in this chapter, chapter 15, it talks about a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. And it centers over a young man named Mark or John Mark. 
And John Mark had been with them on one of their earlier journeys. And he got homesick or whatever. He left them. You might think, well, what's the big deal? Well, in those type of traveling days, it's kind of like being on a wilderness trip, our adventures together. Everybody is an essential part of the party. And you can't afford to lose members of your party. You work together as a team. But they lost John Mark, at least for a season. And he left them. And so Paul didn't want to risk that again. Barnabas was the encourager that we need to keep encouraging. And so he takes, that's how they resolve their sharp disagreement. They split. Paul takes Silas. Barnabas takes Mark. And they both go out to try and serve the Lord. And later on in 2 Timothy, we know that there's a reconciliation with Mark and Paul because in chapter 4, verse 11, he's telling Timothy to get Mark and to bring him with him because he's found him useful in his ministry. Goes from not wanting to have him along to considering him a useful supporter. And that's how we still keep the main thing, the main thing. Eugene Peterson in his book, Christ plays in 10,000 places. Quotes 1 John 4.19. That's a familiar verse. We love because he first loved us. Then he goes on to say, we learn to love by being loved. And being loved creates a person who can love, who must love. Getting love is a launch into giving love. But what is the main thing? The main thing that Paul is trying to talk about is he doesn't want to empty the cross of the power. And so what's the power of the cross? We know that the cross represents extreme, sacrificial love of Jesus, of God for us. And we need to embrace that love, that love of Christ. And if we really can truly understand how much Jesus loves us, that changes everything. And then we can reflect through the power of the Holy Spirit, his love to others, to a hurting and desperate world who desperately needs that love, but often this is the main thing, and it's looking for that belonging, that acceptance in all the wrong places. But if we keep the main thing, the main thing, we're not going to be arguing over our preferences. We're not going to be arguing over whether this change is necessary or not necessary, whether we like the change or don't like the change. We'll be united together in spite of our diversity by trying to really embrace the passionate love of Jesus and then through the Holy Spirit's power to reflect that to the other people we come in contact with. That's really the main thing that Paul wanted the church of Corinthians to get back to. And it's really the main thing we need to get back to. You just join me in prayer. Father, thank you for your son and your love. And Lord, just through the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit, help us to keep the main thing, the main thing. And Jesus